Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased to introduce you today to Barbara Stackhouse, RDH, Masters in Education, founder of More to Life Coaching and creator of the premier program, Profit First for Dentists, the only comprehensive program of its kind in the country. Barbara is an educator, leader, consultant, and coach exclusively for dentists. Her specialty, helping dentists get control of their financial side of the practice and ultimately find the freedom they desire so they can enjoy more to life. Her extensive background in the dental industry gives her an advantage and deep understanding about the ins and outs of running a profitable, high successful dental practice. Barb lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her husband and two dogs. They enjoy time with their two sons, both married to lovely redheads and three grandsons who all reside in Nashville. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Barb Stackhouse. Barbara, I am so excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, because I know you're busy, and spending some time with us and, and sharing your story on how you got into dentistry. So if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to know how you got into dentistry, where you were started, and where you're going right now. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, my pleasure and my honor to be here. And um, my story, gosh, started way back when I was a young mom, actually, I was married and had two kids. I grew up on a farm in Indiana and, you know, that's just kind of rural area. That's what we did, you know? And I knew that I was really smart. I knew that in school. And I had a friend who I met through church and she was a hygienist. And her husband was a dentist and my husband and I became friends with this couple through our church. And, um, she just really encouraged me. She said, you know, you're, you're really smart. She said, you can do this. And so I honestly just kind of started part-time going to college, just taking all my prereqs and, and all that. And, and hoping, you know, that I would get into the hygiene department because it was pretty competitive. And so I don't know if it was for you, but it, I mean, it was just really competitive. And so I started, you know, just really applying myself and making sure my grades were good. Cause that, you know, that was part of it. You had to get good grades. You had to go through this interview. And anyway, it turned out that I got invited to, you know, I was accepted. And so that was those two years of hygiene school were really a huge struggle, but also a turning point in my life and in our life as a family, um, because it, it gave me, um, an awesome career as a mom. And so during that couple of years where I was going full-time to school, I had, I still had two little kids and an amazing husband who saw me through and parents, you know, who helped watch the kids too. So it's kind of a rough couple of years and college for me was an hour and 15 minute drive each way. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So my older son at that time, when I started hygiene school, he was in kindergarten. And then when I 
my second year of hygiene school, he was in first grade. So we had aftercare, you know, after school care for him. But my other little guy went with me to the college and stayed at the daycare at the school. So he and I had this ride every day back and forth. And, you know, it, it's funny, I still think about all his little questions from the back seat, right? <laughs> And I was trying to think about school and, you know, had this little guy, but anyway, we made it through that couple of years and, um, you know, so glad that I did. And so glad that I had that friend who, who saw something in me, you know, and her husband, you know, he was a dentist and he actually hired me out of hygiene school. So that was really my introduction to it was just a friend who said, Hey, I think you'd be really good at this. Wow. That's amazing. It's not, you know, I, I also went to dental school with a five-year-old and it is not an easy task. Hygiene school, I remember the curriculum not being easy then and it's good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. And, you know, good for your husband too, for supporting you through that. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. And it's funny, we talk now about it and, you know, he called himself Mr. Mom during that couple of years. And he really was, you know, getting up every day, getting the kids ready, you know, driving. And, you know, I lived in Northern Indiana, there was snow, (laughs) you know, it was, it was not uh, a fun drive by any means, but I guess determination, you know, and I, I would say I'm still a pretty determined person and, um, really fell in love with dentistry. You know, I, I knew really not much about it at all. And during my time in hygiene school, just really fell in love with it. And I still do love dentistry. I just serve in different ways now, but uh, it, it really was a journey of love as well. How long did you practice for? Um, I was full-time in this little practice for about 10 years. Wow. And what made you transition out? Well, you know, interestingly enough, even when I was in hygiene school, I could see myself being a teacher. I could see my instructors. I so respected them. And I just always felt like I wanted to someday teach. And funny thing is my mom says that she always knew I was going to be a teacher. And we kind of are as hygienists anyway, right? Right, right. But she said, when I was a little girl, I would line up my dolls and my stuffed animals on the stair steps and they were my students and I would teach to them. Oh my gosh. How sweet is that? (laughs) Yes. I wish I had a picture of that. (laughs) And I can remember it. I mean, I was pretty little, but I can remember probably four years old, you know, doing that. And so she says, you know, she always knew I was somehow going to be in front of a group of people teaching or speaking or something, you know, because I was, I was already doing that, you know? So when my kids, um, my sons, my two sons, they were actually like high school age. I decided to go back to school and finish my bachelor's degree. And so my older son and I graduated the same year. I graduated college with my bachelor's and he graduated high school um, that same year. So that was another journey (laughs) that, and I did that all kind of part-time. I mean, I was still working and, you know, just um, taking classes and kind of did that part-time, but that was an accomplishment. And then I kind of, I knew right away that I was going to need to get a master's degree if I was really serious about it. So I got pretty much got started on that um, as well, you know, right after I got my bachelor's and worked through that as well. So wow. now what'd you get your master's in? Educational leadership. Oh, very good. Yeah. Which helps you coach. It does. 
I learned a lot of really good skills in that program. I was in a, in a course in a group with, you know, people who were public education teachers who were wanting to be a principal or a vice principal or something in leadership in the school system. So it was interesting being in a group like that, but it also gave me a perspective of how education works. And even at the university level, you know, there's a lot of similarities um, with that. So I was able to, to take that. And then I was a clinical instructor, you know, I taught a few classes here and there, but I, I never really left clinical until I was offered a position. It was, it was actually in public education, which is really interesting how it kind of all came full circle to start a dental assisting program for these high school kids at a career center. Wow. So I kind of just, it went, you know, in a whole different direction, but I had the background with all the public education, you know, in my leadership program. So it, it, it actually fit very well. And from scratch, I started a program and wrote all the curriculum and did that whole program and placed um, high school kids out in a, in practices to do, you know, to kind of get their hands in it a little bit and see if they liked it. And I actually have students who still stay in touch with me. One of them became a dentist, several became hygienists, several are still assistants. And then I was able to matriculate that program with a community college where my students could go and then get like their x-ray certification and kind of finish that. So that really immersed me in education. When I got to that point, you know, then I was committed full-time. That's what I was doing. And it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of hard work too. I'm sure it was. I know exactly where you're coming from. (laughs) And the interesting thing was, this is really what's crazy about that whole thing. These were high school kids who were labeled, okay? Probably not college material kids, right? They sat in the back of the room, they were C students, and they got sent to the career center. And this career center director had a great vision, and we called it dental health careers because there were kids that wanted to do lab tech work. Sure. Sure. You know, so we did different things, but they all learned the basics about anatomy of teeth and the head and all that. But what was really interesting was I didn't know where to get a textbook. So all I knew was my college textbooks. So I taught these high school kids who were C students out of dental college textbooks and they did great. Of course they did. Because <laughs> they were interested, right? Of course. And quite honestly, I think that's the biggest shortfall of education. And one of the best things to ever happen is to be shaken up by COVID-19. But it is a shortfall because the kids are not bad kids. They're just not getting something that stimulates them enough to be paying attention. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was, those were really, really fun fun years with the high school kids and just watching them blossom and grow and make something more of their life, you know, just to, to have me be a difference um, in someone's life. And, and I would even get kids who had um, IEPs, you know, so they had some learning disabilities and they, again, labels that we put on kids. And I would tell the guidance counselor, I'd really rather not know, like, <laughs> just, just give them to me. I'll, I'll take them, you know, but by law, you know, they had to tell me and she would always come to me and say, Hey, I have another student 
who wants in your class, they have an IEP. And I was always like, yeah, bring them over. And specifically, I remember this one girl who I used a lot of 3D models of the teeth when we were learning mesial distal, you know, all the, the surfaces of the teeth. And, and then we would translate that onto, you know, what did it look like on a piece of paper? But she really learned by holding the model of the tooth, you know, and the, the type it on. And so it came test day and they all got their tests. They were all in, and her face just like went white. And she came up to me and at the desk and she said, Mrs. Stackhouse, could I look at the model of the teeth? And I said, sure, of course you can. And I just got the type of done out and I set it in front of her and she aced the test. But she couldn't do it. She couldn't transfer from three-dimensional to two-dimensional. And I'm like, well, when we're doing dentistry, it's three-dimensional. We're not, you know? So just making modifications and things like that, th those were always like really cool things for me to see how kids learned. And honestly, the truth is adults are the same way. You know, that those lessons that I learned from teaching in that career center were huge. Um, so then my husband and I made this big move to Arizona. Wow. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, our baby left for college and we were in Northern Indiana, which is where we had lived our entire life. You know, we grew up there and we were tired of snow. And so we just kind of looked at each other and said, we've been spending our whole life raising kids. Let's go do something different. So we did, we, we had an auction and we sold everything and we bought a fifth wheel camper and we lived in that for about a year and a half. And we traveled out to Arizona <laughs> and um, decided to kind of settle out there. And I didn't have my hygiene license out there yet. I did get it, but I didn't have it. So I found a career center out there and I was teaching for a little bit, but then it was really interesting through um, people we met, you know, a friend, friend of a friend, I ended up meeting Dr. Mike Schuster. I know exactly who Mike Schuster is. He was the first one to help me set up my practice from scratch. Wow. That's amazing. Anyway, I went, came on board with the Schuster center and I worked there for 12 years side by side with him. And so what was really cool about that place was it allowed me to get back into clinical some because I was his hygienist. I was also teaching in the center, the business center and coaching. So it was like, I had all these skills that I'd been learning all these years that sort of came full circle. And so that's where I got into the whole business side of dentistry and the coaching and the teaching the business side. But back up just a little bit, when, when I was working full-time in that office in Indiana, when we were raising our kids, um, my husband owned his own construction company. And so our evenings would consist of kids, we'd get the kids, we'd get dinner, kids got their baths, you know, the whole routine, get them in bed. And then we would go to the office and he would write estimates and I would pay the bills. I did his books in construction. So I taught myself QuickBooks. I taught myself like how to do, I, you know, I, I just started taking any class I could, you know, on how to do the books. So it was really interesting. I had done that for a construction company. So when I got to dentistry, it was funny because it was so similar. And I laugh now, you know, my husband and I kind of laugh about it, but I always say, 
you know, dentistry is not much different than construction or contractor. You just measure in smaller numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're in millimeters. You guys are in there in feet, right? Right, right. So anyway, transitioned into that whole coaching and stuff and, and just that was such a great learning experience too. So I've been so fortunate to have good mentors, people around me who have made me better and uh, I try to do that for others. You know, I, I really, I want to be mentors um, for other people too. And, and the students that come to me now, you know, now that I have my own business, so Dr. Schuster has retired. Um, we moved to Nashville. Yeah. How did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, we went to Arizona, the kids were in college, they got through school, they were kind of finding their way, you know, how that takes several years, right? The kids have to find their way. So we were out there probably, I don't know, almost 10 years. And both of our sons ended up in Nashville because of girls. Ah. And all of a sudden they were both like getting serious with these girls. And so we're kind of looking at each other like, Hey, if they're both going to settle in the same town, like we want to be close to our grandkids. So, you know, we, we could see this coming. So yeah, we just made a decision that we're going to move to Nashville. So we outstanding loaded up and <laughs> caravaned across the country. <laughs> well, hopefully they're still there now. Yes, they are. Yep. And now they are both married and we have three little grandsons here. Oh, how old are they? Five, almost four. They're 19 months apart. Um, two brothers, our older son. And then our younger son has a three-year-old just turned three. Oh my gosh. How awesome. I bet they have so much fun together when they get together. They do. And we do these special Saturdays that we call Camp Nana and Papa. And so we have all three of them at our house together. And we're, we have very strict rules. Like you can drop them off at nine. You got to pick them up at four. <laughs> it's great though. And that's why we live here, you know, because family's here. But, you know, during that whole transition of I moved here, I still did work at the Schuster Center for a few more years. I kind of you know, worked remotely, but I was out there a lot. I was on a plane every month, you know, going back and forth and Dr. Schuster's retired now. And anyway, it was just made sense. I got introduced actually by a dentist that I had coached, introduced me to this book called Profit First by Mike McCallowitz. And I read that book and I was just blown away. I was like, this could work for dentists. Like immediately I was like, this is great. So I contacted them and they have this thing that you can go through and train with them called profit first professionals, but it's mostly like CPAs, bookkeepers, you know? And so I called him up and made an appointment and I talked to him and I said, okay, I got to tell you, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm a dental hygienist <laughs> and I want to take your program. <laughs> and they let me in. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. So I became the very first Profit First for Dentists coach. Awesome. Graduated their program. I went on and did the mastery level. I'm still in that. I still have very close connections with them. And that really changed the game for me and how I help dentists. So that is really my core program now that I um, help dentists with is it's still, it's keyed in on the financial and the business side of the practice because that's the area that dentists just don't get a lot of help in that area. And 
there's so much there that's confusing to them. So, you know, I, I kind of just kind of came full circle into just still being on the business side and helping them understand the numbers. And that's what I do now. That's, and I love it. It's, it's my strong suit. That's where I'm really, really good at. Obviously, I will tell you that, you know, it, it is an identified gap in all educational levels at the dental schools in the country. And, you know, one of the things that I do know is that there is really no room in the curriculum to add it in. That's number one. And number two, when they're developing their skill set, they can't concentrate on anything else and they don't have anything to relate it to. So imagine being somebody who's never practiced it before in an office, who doesn't understand what the front desk person does for them, who doesn't understand the relationship with a hygienist and what they're supposed to produce or, you know, how it's 70-30 and, you know, everything the hygienist makes covers the overhead and whatever you make covers you. So they don't understand any of those benchmarks or metrics, but when they do get out, it's like, oh my gosh, panic city in the first couple of years because they realize that they can't run a private practice without guidance and help in this area. And that's one of the things that I spend a lot of time with my students is you're going to need a coach. You're absolutely going to need a coach. Unless you're a brilliant financial person, you're going to need a coach to help support you during this time because you really need to, to you know, align your buckets. You need to make sure that you set up a plan to pay back down the student loans. You need to set up a plan to, you know, for where you're heading in your practice career and then set up a plan to get educated on how you're going to get there, you know? And so I tell them coaching is, is critically important. I don't think any of us can go through our lives without having coaches at several times in our life you know, depending upon what we're doing and what our next goals are. Yeah. I mean, I have a coach too, for my business. I mean, it's, it's critical. It really is. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Having debt is almost a given for dentists. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like it's very different than the medical profession because to start a practice is very expensive or you're purchasing a practice either way. It's expensive. It's expensive, right? It's always dental school. Yes. And dental school is getting more and more expensive. And so I have these dentists coming to me with loads of personal debt and loads of practice debt, business debt. And they're like, how can I get out from under this? I feel like every year drowning there, they are, they're drowning. And what's happening is you know, they have an off month, a bad one or two months, and now they're using the credit card. They, then they finally get themselves worked back up, but they never get that credit card really paid off. And so it's this, it's this thing hanging over their head all the time. And so then what happens, here's what I see happen is a few years down the road, they refinance. So now they have a higher loan amount. They pay off all this other stuff. So now they just took that credit card debt that should have been short-term debt and they made it long-term debt because they don't know any other way to get out of it. And the cycle starts again. And I've actually had clients come to me who've done that several times and just not been able to get out of it. And they don't understand what's going on. And one of the biggest things that they, they will say to me is, you know, my CPA says I made money and I have to pay taxes this year. And where is it? 
And where's that money? (laughs) That's exactly what they say. And so I want to tell all your listeners this. You cannot run your business off of a profit and loss report. That P&L, a profit and loss report, you cannot run your business from that. The reason that we have a profit and loss report is for your accountant. It's used to keep you legal with the government and to file your taxes. That's what that document is used for. It is not used for you to run your business. And I think that's one of the biggest confusing things for dentists. They, it's like, but where's that money? Like it shows I have a hundred thousand dollars here, you know, on my profit and loss report, where, where, where did that money go? And so here's where it goes. It goes to pay your debt. So one thing to understand is that debt payments do not show up on a profit and loss report. And the really crazy thing is that when you make a payment on your loan, you have principal and you have interest, right? And the principal that you pay, the government says, oh, well, you're paying principal, that's building you equity. Guess what? You have to pay taxes on that. Nobody tells you that. So you take out this loan that you think, okay, I've got, you know, let's just say I have a $5,000 a month payment. Okay. That's, it's very typical. I'll see four, 5,000, whatever I have. You have this $5,000 a month payment and you're thinking you're in your head, you're adding up. Okay. I have to have this much income. I pay this. And then at the end of the year, all of a sudden you get slammed with these taxes. Well, let's say half of that $5,000 payment is considered income to you. That's $2,500 a month extra income that you got to pay taxes on that you weren't planning on. Absolutely not. And nobody sets up a plan for that. So when I started doing profit first, this is why I love it. I love it so much because it's such a simple way to set up a system that takes care of those taxes ahead of time. It sets aside your, it literally is setting aside your profit first and you learning to pay yourself first. I think as women, we tend to not value ourselves enough. And I see this more with women dentists than I do men. They pay everyone else and they come last. And they, it's like they're waiting for the leftovers. Well, I'll get paid when something is left, right? And it's not uncommon for me to start working with a young female dentist who has never paid themselves yet. They have a practice and they've never paid themselves or they've paid themselves very little. And I'm like, that's not okay. That is not okay. So as women, I'm going to encourage, if you're listening to this and you're, you're a woman dentist, that you have got to treat yourself just the same as you treat your employees. You would never not think about paying an employee, right? That's right. Absolutely. And you have to start thinking of yourself the same way. I have to share with you and I want to share with the audience because I will tell you that I went through years and years and years of that same behavior. Yep. And it was tragic. I mean, I remember running to the bank at the end of the month thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to have enough to pay my staff because the cash flow didn't come in, whatever the reason was. But, you know, more times than I can count, 
I didn't pay myself rather than not pay my staff. And so, you know, you get into this really bad cycle where, you know, not consciously, but I do believe unconsciously, you start really devaluing yourself. Like, oh my gosh, I spent all this time and energy in dental school and I still can't pay myself and I still can't make the living that I'm expecting. Right. Yeah. And I think too, you know, even if you are paying yourself, like you said, you're not making the living that you had expected that you would. Um, You're not saving for your future. Maybe you feel like you're not contributing to your home budget as much as you would like, or you had planned to. And all of those things affect our psyche. They do. And they begin to, like you said, devalue ourselves. And I think that we struggle with loving ourselves anyway. I mean, this, this really comes down to some basics, right? Of where we have to look within and say, I am worth it. And this is exactly why I have a coach. You know, when you have a coach who can be there for you and lift you up and say, you've got this, like just to run ideas, you know, like, or to learn new things, you know, to grow and to scale. When someone else says to you, I see you and you've got this, you'll believe it from them before you'll believe it from yourself. Absolutely. Positively. <laughs> right. And how bad is that? I know, but it's human nature. So I want to share a little bit about Profit First, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Positively. Please tell us. Yeah, I would love to give you some basics. And I also want to tell you that I am currently almost finished with writing the book, Profit First for Congratulations. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's a huge <sighs> feat. It is. So we are like really, really close. Um, I'm actually co-writing it with a CPA who is also a Profit First professional. He's doing the tax strategy stuff. I'm doing all the rest. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah, so um, it will be out in 2021. So if you're listening to this, I hope you can find that book because my goal in writing that book was to help dentists be able to do this, literally do this on their own, okay? So if you are savvy and you have some understanding of finances, you'll, you'll really be able to read it and figure it out. You know, if money is just a foreign thing to you and you're still confused, that's why there are coaches to to help people like that. Right. That's right. But anyway, I wanted to share with you the, the concept of profit first and how it works. So go back, you know, think about your own behavior around money. We all have things that we learned from our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, we all have some kind of relationship with money, be it good or bad, right? Right, right. But the typical person, the natural human behavior for pretty much everyone, when you want to know how much money you have, let's say you want to make a purchase of something, or you just want to pay the bills, okay? and you want to know how much money you have, what do you do? You go to the bank and look at your account. Yeah. You open up your online banking, right? You log in, you pull up your bank account. And if it has money in it, you go, great, I'll pay the bills or great. I'll make the purchase. Right. But that doesn't really tell you if you have the money. 
And if you look at the profit and loss report, we already talked about that. If you go to your QuickBooks and you look at your profit and loss report and it shows, oh yeah, I got plenty of money. And then you look at your bank account. Oh yeah, I got money. And you spend that. And then all of a sudden you don't have money and you're like, what is going on? So there's this little roller coaster. I call it the roller coaster, right? And there's this, these ups and downs and ups and downs. And that's another thing that dentists come to me and they're like, how can I get more even, right? So with profit first, we capitalize on that human behavior of opening up the account to see what we have in it. And instead of keeping all of our money in one account, we move it into multiple accounts. And each account is set up for a very specific purpose. So like my grandparents operated on a cash basis. That's just what they did. Did they do the envelope? Yep. And this is like the old envelope system. You know, you get your paycheck, you cash it, you put cash in the envelopes for different, you know, groceries here, car payment here, house payment here, you know. And that's what they did. They set that money aside as soon as they got their paycheck. So we're doing the same thing for a dental practice, except we're not using envelopes and cash. We're just using multiple bank accounts. So there are five core accounts and how it works is this, all the money flows into one account. We call that the income account, but we do not pay the bills from that account. Okay. All we do is store the money, the income in there, and we let it build up every week at the end of the week. Typically my dentists do it on Mondays because they've got all their deposits from the week before. They look at their total deposits from the week prior and then by percentage, they transfer, they allocate and they transfer money to four other accounts. And the first one we transfer to is profit, hence the name profit first. We learn to pay ourselves first. We learn to honor ourselves and our work and our efforts and being an entrepreneur and taking the risk. And we say, we're going to pay ourselves first. So we set aside profit and figuring out the percentages is the biggest thing, right? That's, that's kind of where you need help with a coach. So they set aside their profit, they allocate, transfer that. Then second, their owner's compensation. There's a percentage for that. Third, there's a percentage for taxes. And this is to pay the income tax of the owner. So your business pays your income tax. Not you taking it out of what you get paid. Right. You actually get to take home what you get paid. And then lastly, the largest one of them is our operating expense. And that pays all the other bills. It pays your team members. But now when you open your bank accounts, you can clearly see what you have in your operating expense to pay your bills, pay your team, you know, if you want to make a purchase. That's a true number of what you have because we've already set aside for all those other things. Right, right. It works beautifully. And it's a simple, simple system that you no longer have to look at a profit and loss report. That's a thing of the past. All you have to do is open your bank accounts and you'll know what you have for what purpose. And it makes you feel so much better knowing you have money in the bank. Yes. I just told my husband the other day, we were talking about um, taxes. We, we actually sold a rental property this year 
And so we know we're going to have a little bit of um, capital gains on that. And so we were just discussing like, okay, we need to be prepared in April. And I said, well, I already have, and I told him, and it's a, it's a large amount. I said, I already have this in my tax account and I've made all my quarterly deposits. So I, I said, I think we're okay. And that felt so good for me as a woman business owner to say to my husband, I got this covered. Like I got this because it's sitting in my tax account. You know, I've been faithfully putting it in there every time I do my allocations. I do profit. I do owner's comp. I do taxes and I do operating expense. And I don't steal from one account to the other. I literally like that is where it's at. That's what it's for. And then the really cool thing with Profit First is at the end of every quarter. So you put money in that profit account, put money in that every week, you're making deposits. At the end of the quarter, you get to take a profit distribution. This is the fun part, right? So as the business owner, you get 50% of what you deposited in that for that quarter. So it's kind of like a bonus system. Yes. It's, it's a bonus for the owner. And this is how you get paid for being the entrepreneur. You pay yourself for being a dentist. That's the owner's compensation because you work in your practice. You're a dentist in your practice. Just as if you would hire an associate to do that for you, you would pay that person, right? So you pay yourself for being a dentist from your owner's compensation, but you pay yourself for being an entrepreneur from your profit distribution. So 50% of that pocket. And so you always have 50% backup for, for an emergency in case something happens. Right. So you leave 50% in that profit account and you let that build up. And I suggest that you come up with a number that you want, you want that to remain at. Okay. And then once that is met, then you can start making purchases of equipment, paying cash, with that, you know, the 50% rather than leaving it in there, you take your 50% profit distribution, but now you can reinvest in your business. Okay. So instead of always thinking that you have to plow everything back into the business, that you always have to be reinvesting, you don't, you're actually better off to get this profit account built up, have a reserve, then start reinvesting. The only other thing I would say you can do with your profit account is you can use it to pay down your debt earlier. So if you do have still have debt and you want to pay extra on that debt, you can certainly use some of your profit distribution for that as well. And I would highly recommend the students do that until their student loans are paid off because, you know, as you know, the, the percentage on some of those student loans is astronomical. And I cannot believe the government is allowed to do that especially when we're training our own people to do well and take the next step. You know, I really, I, I struggle with that. So. Agree. So I do have dentists do that, you know, that, so they're taking that 50% profit distribution for their, their bonus as being an entrepreneur that goes into their personal banking. And yes, by all means, they can use that to pay down student loans. And it's a huge, huge help. For that. But you know, once the loans are paid off, now you've got this little bonus there. And I, it's so fun because I'll get texts from doctors, you know, at the end of the quarter. 
or an email from them, you know, and I've had doctors say to me, I saved two quarters, you know, of my profit distribution and took my whole family on vacation. There you go. And that's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. So th- that is very rewarding for me when I know that, oh, they're doing it. They're doing what I taught them to do. You know, that's exciting. And I do it myself too, you know? And so, yeah, when I get that profit distribution, that's, that's my money. And you do something fun with it, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. You, you spend it on yourself or save it for something for yourself if you're planning or vacation or whatever. Yeah. Very good. This is great information for, you know, whether you're a dentist or not, I think that, you know, if you're a young woman who is just starting out, there's only one way to become financially free and that's to pay attention and run your business, run your life like you are the business owner of your life. And, you know, we, I reflect back and the silly things that I, I wasted money on because I thought I had to have it or that I needed it. And uh, gosh, I look back now and say, I wish I had all of that back and, and made a different choice. You can't go backwards, but you can only take the education that you have and move forward. And I tell my students that all the time. You just have to learn the skill that you are developing now and forget the rest, leave it all in the past. Yeah. I think that's such great advice, you know, that if you tend to be a person who, who likes to make quick decisions or, you know, one of the big areas that I see dentists really struggle is they want to improve their education. So they're taking continuing education and, you know, they sign up for these and they're great classes. I mean, I'm, I'm not knocking continuing education. I, I love it myself, but you know, when you go to the, the course and then it's like, Oh, I really want to do this. i I see the value. I, I want to share this with my patients. It's going to make my patient's life better. And it's a source of income, right? It's, it's a way we can have income, but you got to buy all the equipment, right? And what do they do with these courses? They're like, oh, it's a special right now. You're not going to get this special price again. And oh, here we have financing for you. And it's crappy financing. It's terrible. And I think dentists get sucked into that. They do. In the moment. And so my advice is if you already have debt and you already know you want to get that paid down, do not add any more debt, put a moratorium on no more debt. Like just tell yourself that every day, no more new debt and really work at getting your debt paid down. And when you do that, and when you get that reserve built up, then you go take that class and then guess what? You can pay cash. Exactly. And you don't have to worry about it. It's not taking away from anything else. Right. And then you don't have that extra payment every month that you've got to, now you've got to make that extra payment and you've got to produce that extra amount. And, and let me just say, it never works out the way that you think, you know, you calculate in your head, oh, we're going to have X amount, extra income every month. It doesn't work out that way. (laughs) So I've never seen it work out exactly the way that the salesman tells you, or you think, Um, so just know that it's not going to be what you think it's going to be, but it will come just be patient. And I think that's what you were trying to say too. Like, I wish I hadn't bought all those things. I wish I, I wish I would have just been a little bit more patient with that. And, and, you know, really like if you're tempted, 
then tell yourself, I'm not going to buy it today. And if in a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now, I really, really still want it, then come back and look at it again. Absolutely. That's a great way to do it. And I, I have found that I do that much more often than I ever used to, because I, I just don't want to have any more debt. You know, I, I'm totally focused on making sure that I pay everything down. And by the time I retire, everything's done. Yeah, that's awesome. Nothing is more important than that to me right now. You know, the other thing that I see too, that can happen is overhead can just kind of creep up. Yeah. And we certainly know that from this year of having COVID, the cost of things has just gone astronomical. Our gloves. Plus the improvements. Yes. That we've had to make. Yes. So there's been a lot of these expenses, you know, in 2020. And maybe you feel like that's out of your control. But I'm going to say to you, you can control some of those things. You know, yes, you have to have the correct equipment. But unless you protest to the contrary, your overhead will continue to rise. We call it the overhead creep. It just kind of keeps creeping up unless you pay attention and let protest to the contrary. So I want you to always be thinking like, what, what can I get rid of as, you know, do I have to have this? And especially like, oh, things like software, right? Yeah. There's all these like, $200 here, $300 here, you know, $500 here. And sometimes I think that dentists get so many different software programs that they're actually overlapping and they could probably be doing with one. Yeah. Some of this one with this one over here and we don't need both of them. So just be honest with yourself. Just look at your expenses. Look at every payment that goes out of your book and look at it with fresh eyes and say, do I really need this to do quality dentistry? Absolutely. I would never ask you to skimp on a quality supply or something that you need, filling material, whatever. I want your patients to have the best and you do too, but there's so many things that you can cut out and don't think that everything, you know, oh, I have to have it because you don't. Well, and the other thing to look at too is waste. You know, when I first when I first got into a dental school situation, and I, I re- remember this when went from my student days, you know, they would take 10 pieces of articulating paper, 10 brushes, you know, as many carpules of, of restorative materials they thought they were going to need. It didn't matter to them that they didn't use eight of those brushes. It didn't matter to them that they only needed one articulating paper. And it didn't matter to them that they only used one restorative cartridge. They would throw the rest away. So the overhead of the materials was just astronomical and out of control. And so, you know, what is happening in your practice that you can pay attention to, that you can monitor, that makes more sense? I used to, I did an exercise, I remember in in private practice where We tracked how long it took to use every single supply, how many drops, you know, how many um, impressions we got out of an Impregum cartridge, because I really wanted to know the per procedure cost of everything I did, because I really wanted to understand, okay, how can I do this better? And how can I lower my costs better? without compromising what I pay my staff, because I think that's the most important 
outside of paying myself, my paying my staff what they're worth and to work hard is more important to me than anything else because you have a happy collaborative staff. Oh my gosh, you can get 10 times more done. Yeah. You take care of your team. They will take care of your patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I wanted. So just one extra little nugget with profit first. And since you brought up the team, so the doctor has a profit account. I have a lot of offices now. They're not all doing it yet, but they're all working towards it. That set up an additional team profit account. Oh, what a great idea. Yes. And so what we do is we really work to get our operating expense. If we can just save 1%, if the team helps us save 1% off the operating expense, we can put that 1% of all your collection. Think of it in a practice, 1% of your collections, what that would add up to at the end of the year. And think about how much you could share with your team out of that. And how cool would it be to surprise them? Yes. Yes. So that's been, and some offices literally start with 0.25%. But guess what? At the end of the year, they've got 2,500 bucks or whatever they have, you know? Yeah. And it's more money than they expected, right? Exactly. And everybody gets a little share. And maybe the next year we jump to a half a percent. And now we have 5,000 or more. And, you know, and it just builds. And when the team knows that you do that kind of stuff and it truly is a profit share because we all had to work together to get those expenses down. It's a team effort and the team gets rewarded. Absolutely. I love doing that. I'm sure. I can't thank you enough for all of this insight into your world and what you're doing. We didn't even have a chance to get to all the questions that I usually ask. And so I will probably have you back again because there's more to your story and I I would love to carry on, but you know, we've already run out of time and it's time to go. So thank you so much, Barbara, for being with us today and for sharing your knowledge behind Profit First. If people want to reach out to you and find you, how can they reach you? You can just email me personally. It's Barb, B-A-R-B at more to life.dental and that's m-o-r-e-t-o-l-i-f-e dot dental more to life.dental and that my website is also more to life.dental that's awesome thank you so much Barbara. really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me it's my honor oh awesome thank you so much for listening to the women in dentistry podcast with dr mj hanlon If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.